We've been talking for several weeks about being offended and the offense and the trap that the devil lays for us, right? Remember when we started this, I had a trap up here and we put the thing in. The lure, the bait is the things that gets us to the place that we get trapped. That's what the devil wants us to do. It is impossible that offenses will not come. You may get offended this morning when I speak. I've called on the Lord. I pray that what I give is the words that he has and therefore the offense is not at me but it will be at him. Remember that. I'm just the messenger boy. Thank you, sweetie. And so, it's good to know where the traps lie. I've been deer hunting a little bit. You know, deer season's in and you kind of learn where the animals are going. You patter them. How many hunters we got in here this morning? Raise your hands. Let's see. Yeah, we all know that those deer will travel in patterns. They kind of get a routine going and you play the wind and you look at the moon and know when they're going to be out so you don't sit there all day doing nothing. And the part of it is is that they're fixing to walk into a trap which means into your sights to be killed. So that for us, we put meat on the table. I, I deer hunt, not, well I do enjoy it. I can't tell you that I don't. But when I'm putting meat in the freezer from that, I don't have to go to Walmart or Food Line and buy it. And so we eat it, we use it, and and uh, Lord blessed us with a little dough this week. I finally could shoot straight and actually hit it. Well, I shot straight the other time, so it aim right. And uh, But we got one this week, and uh, Ryan and I had a wonderful time in the stand yesterday morning, just me and him, wind blowing, squirrels walking, no deer. But we had a wonderful time, just me and him. It was peaceful. Just sitting there and just, that's my place that I like to go. That's my prayer time. I had nothing to it to get on my mind, to get in my way. That's when I really like to talk to God. Now, yours may be something else, and that's okay. He made us different, didn't he? Look around you. Look at the different people sitting around you this morning. Different shapes and sizes, different ages. Different clothes, different colors of hair, all the differences that happen. But you know what? Every one of us is loved by him. Amen. Amen. And boy, that's just something to just give him praise. Let's do it again this morning. Let's just give him praise because he loves you. But there's also an enemy out there called Satan and he hates you. And he'll try to use us to get at one another if, he, if we ain't careful. And so that's why we've been doing this, this um, series, so to speak, I guess. So we can learn from this. You know, we got to put it inside of us. It's got to come in. It's got to take root. It's got to produce fruit. Just knowing it don't count. It has to be put into action. Folks, we've got to do the book. Oh, boy, that's good. So I want to talk this morning about the sure foundation. i got a lot of notes. Boy, I do have to stand close to this. She's blinder than me. What you got, 10 years on me? So, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that in front of everybody. But I didn't used to have to do this, and now I do, and thank you again for letting me use these. See, what we learn in the presence of God cannot be learned in the presence of men. 
Isaiah 28 and 16 says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. You hear that? Whoever believes will not act hastily. A person who acts hastily is an unstable person because his actions are not properly founded. Now with this, we're going to put the word in this morning. This person is easily moved and swayed by the storms of persecutions and trials. I've been telling you that the trials and the things that come upon us is exactly the things that God lets come because He already knows what's in here. There are no surprises for Him. You come down with an illness this week, whatever Sister Carol's, God's not surprised by it. He's known it all along. And you know what? He's still on the throne and He still has power over all. And so He knows us and when we go through trials and tribulations and persecutions and such things, what he is actually doing for you and I, for us to look in the mirror, is he's trying to show us something that's going on inside of us. We're going to talk about Simon Peter this morning. Everybody remember him? Simon Peter, he was the guy that didn't care. He said what was on his mind. He'd jump in and let you know. And more times than not, got himself in trouble because he acted hastily. He didn't listen and wait on the Spirit of God to lead him. Anybody know anybody like that? If you, you know me, then you've known one because I have to constantly stay on myself not to act hastily. I've spent my career and my adult life fix it, being a fixer. You're supposed to fix things. Sometimes God says, you just wait a minute. I've got to get the ground prepared before you go and try to fix it. If it's not prepared, then it's not going to do any good. We're going to see all that this morning. Besides, uh, Jesus entered uh, the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples in Matthew 16 and 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I am? Say that I, the Son of Man, am. Several of his disciples were very enthusiastic and they, and they shared with him the opinions of the crowds about who Jesus was. And Jesus waited just until they got finished. And then he looked at them and he asked them point blank. And we don't like this point blank stuff, do we? Sometimes it shines a light. We don't like that. But that's how Jesus does business. Remember that this morning. He loves you. But this is how he does business. And he asked them point blank in verse 15, Matthew 16 and 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, I'm sure there were some confused looks on those guys' faces. Some were probably sitting there with their mouth gapped open. They were very eager to speak early on, but when Jesus put it right up in the face, up in their lap, so to speak, they were speechless. Right? They all spoke up, but they were speechless. And it's probably because they never asked the question of themselves, of who they say that he is. Whatever was the case, they now realize they didn't have an answer. You see, we're supposed to know who Jesus is. That way we can tell people about him. We can point people to him. But they couldn't do that. They didn't have that in them. 
And see, Jesus did what he does so well. He located their hearts with a question. We all don't like somebody to answer a question with a question, do we? But Jesus always asks a question. And that's how he located where their hearts was. He brought them to a true realization of what they did and did not know. They were living off the speculations of others rather than establishing in their own hearts who Jesus really was. They had not confronted themselves. And Simon, who was renamed Peter by Jesus, was the only one of the disciples who could answer. And he just simply blurted out in 1616, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responded to him by saying, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, Jesus was explaining to him that the revelation that came to him was what the Father had given him. Flesh and blood didn't teach him. I can't teach you this morning. I can sit here and give you the message, but it's the Holy Ghost that's going to teach you. I can be a good speaker. I can read it straight from the paper. I can do it from memorization. That might just make me look good or make me look bad, whichever, depending on who you ask. But the point is, is the truth comes out and the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in our hearts. We've got to allow him to do that. And so Simon Peter didn't receive his knowledge by hearing the opinions of others or by what he was taught, but God revealed it to him. And the reason that he revealed it to him is he was hungry for the things of God. He asked the most questions. Let's face it, folks, he was the guy that walked on water. The other 11 sat in the boat. Because he asked the question. He didn't want to take someone else's opinion on it. He wanted to hear it directly out of the mouth of God. And sometimes we get a revealed word from God. That's what we have to, to look for. This revealed knowledge of Jesus did not come by any of his senses. It was a gift. It was illuminated in his heart in response to his hunger. And many had seen and witnessed Simon Peter. They seen the same things that he saw. They seen what he did with Jesus leading him. But the problem was is their hearts were not hungry for God like his was. That's why he stands out in Scripture. God's not a respecter of persons. However, we got this. God don't respect him anymore. But this guy was getting close to God because he was hungry. That's the question you and I got to ask ourselves. How hungry am I for the things of God? Ask yourself that. We're coming into the Christmas season. We're getting ready to do a lot of giving and doing these kinds of things. Why do we do that? Tradition. Sometimes. Why should we do it? Because he leads us and we do it in love. Amen. I was talking to somebody this morning talking about giving a homeless guy something to eat. A piece of money. You realize when that homeless guy asks something, if the Spirit of God says give it to him, it's not yours or my place to do a background check on him and make him fill out paperwork like he's getting a loan for a car. Our job is to listen to what the Lord says, and if he goes and buys a bottle of beer with it, let him and God handle it. You will be rewarded because you were obedient to God. Remember I told you last week, obedience is the key to our spiritual growth. Not just learning the word, but we got to be obedient. We have to be able to do the book. 
Peter was hungry. In 1 John 2 and 27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it taught you, you will abide in him. You see, that's the anointing that the Holy Spirit brings. That was the anointing that was teaching Peter. He, had to, he heard what everyone else had to say, and then he looked inward to what God had revealed. And once you receive revealed knowledge from God, no one can take it away from you. Amen? You know, our church, we, we are, we're Pentecostals, and we believe in the power of healing. There are people that don't believe in the power of healing. They believe that things that happened in the Bible stopped back then. It didn't. I'll tell you why. You all know the story, so I'm just going to touch it because you know it. Right here, sitting on the front row, is my beautiful wife that God touched and healed. You can't tell me any different that God don't do that kind of work because we have experienced it. The Word says it. God did it. That's confirmation. So we don't need to have that discussion for you to convince me that it doesn't work. Because you can't take that away. It was revealed by the work of the Spirit. See, when God reveals something to us, the world can't take it away. Nobody can change your heart. Jesus said to Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples in Matthew 16 and 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, that means the rock, the rock he means is the knowledge revealed by God, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's on that truth that he will build his church. So we see clearly that there is a sure foundation in the revealed word of God. In this case, it was just simply Peter's understanding of who Jesus was. Let me ask you, do you understand who Jesus is today? Everything from this day forward, everything we read in the Bible rests on that foundation. We have to have that foundation. You see, sometimes when, when I might be preaching, you need to listen for God's voice in my voice. You understand? Because I might be saying something and preaching something right now and the Holy Spirit may reveal something different to you other than maybe the point I'm trying to make. Or he may actually use what I'm saying to drive that, home, that point home. You see, that's how the Spirit does that. It's that illuminated word. It's when that bell goes off and you go, oh, I get it. I had a moment this morning with a young man here in the church. Asked him how his week was, and he said, well, so far it's good. I got up this morning because today's the first day of the week. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. And the light went off, so I'm going to be looking into this because God just showed me something. God built everything that he built, did it all in six days, and on the seventh he rested. But in Jewish history, what we find, the first day of the week is Sunday. And that's our day of rest, our Sabbath. More to come. I'm going to dig into that because it just, it pricks something in my heart. And I like, I love those moments because God says, all right, now I'm getting ready to reveal something. So go digging. Go, go find out what you can find out. You see, when we solely possess head knowledge, two things can happen. We are easily susceptible to hype and emotionalism. Right? We'll use churches as an example this morning. 
You can get a certain person to stand in this pulpit and everybody's expectations are different. I, pick who you want. I don't, I don't care. I'm not pointing at nobody. But we go to those kinds of things. We look at those kinds of things and we are bound by our emotionalism. Maybe it's our love for them. Maybe it's the way they speak. We like how they speak. And that's what we expect. And now for and now we have a little bit of a set of hunger in us. But you see, we're swayed by our emotionalism. Or we are just simply bound by our intellect, what we know, what we can't prove. I loved what Jesse taught last week. I mean, this guy's been in our church for five, four years now. Man, we've had a lot of discussions. We haven't fought over anything. But I just got to see just what God's doing because he's hungry. Boy, he brought a good word, I thought, last week. He brought a very good word. And you know where that was birthed from? It was birthed by iron sharpening iron. It was birthed by a man that's searching for what is true. Not just what somebody told me, I need to find it in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit will teach us. He will take us where we need to go. See, he said he would build his church basically on that revealed word, that knowledge, not just on memorized verses. It's good to memorize verses, don't get me wrong, but that revealed word has to get in our heart and it soaks into us and that's what drives us. When we listen to an anointed speaker or we read a book, we should look for the words or phrases that explode in our spirits. This is the word God is revealing to us. And it conveys light and spiritual understanding. Psalm 119 and 130. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. See, it's the entrance of the word of God coming into our hearts and not our minds that illuminates and clarifies things for us. Often a minister may be speaking on a subject, yet God is illuminating something totally different to us and what we're looking for. Either way, what we have is a revealed word of God. This is what changes us from being simple. You see, we can be simple, avoiding or the void of having understanding. That's what the simple means, to be matured, which is filled with understanding. The illuminated word in our hearts is the foundation Jesus said his church would be grounded on. Those other guys walked with Jesus. They saw everything, but there was something special about Peter because he was hungry. He wanted to know about the things of God. Jesus compared the unveiled word of God to a rock. A rock speaks of, the of stability and strength. We remember the parable of the houses, right? One is built on stone, one is built on sand. And when troubles come, when tribulations come, when persecutions come, one of them falls, one of them stands. You see, we have to have that within us. We have to have that good foundation, that sure foundation that we need to be looking for. See, some things we need to hear or need to know we can't find in the Bible. Now, Bobby, <laughs> you remember now, I get to pick on you. No, not really. <laughs> Don't answer this. You're marrying Ashley, a minister of the gospel. And my prayer is, we talked, that you have asked God what he wants, not what you want. 
Because that's where, that's where freedom lies. That's where stability lies. It's God's will, not our will. So a lot of people divorce today simply because they didn't ask God what he thought. And if we put God in the center of what we're doing, he'll lead us. But I tell you right now, you will not find it in the Bible that says that Bobby Bennett can marry Ashley Stevens. It's not there. So we have to have that revealed word of what we seek from God. What about a job that we may work? It's not in the Bible, but we do pray to God, and therefore he reveals things to us. He shows us exactly the route that he wants us to take. It's a long list of all these things that you won't find in the Bible that we must ask God. But we must have the revealed word in these decisions, and without it, our decisions are founded on unstable ground. And friends, can I tell you, when you find it on unstable ground, when the storms come, the house will crash. That's in the Bible. So we have to stay focused. We have to stay about the business of God. What God reveals about His Spirit cannot be taken from us. This must be the foundation of all that we do. Without it, we are easily offended by trials and tribulations that blindside us. They'll come at us and they'll get us. Jesus said, the word being heard and received with excitement, yet not taking root in our hearts, it was received with gladness in the minds and the emotions. Go to Mark chapter 4 and 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Verse 17. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure for only a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. The King James, the old King James says they are offended because we don't have that root. We can easily interchange the words for root and foundation because they indicate something that stabilizes us. It's a stabilizer. We build houses. We pour a good foundation. And that's what we're supposed to do. And a person who is not stabilized or founded in the revealed word of God is a prime candidate to be moved along by the storms of offense. How many are just like the disciples Jesus confronted? They live on what they have heard others say or preach. The opinions and statements of others are taken as truth without seeking the counsel or witness of the Spirit. We can only live and proclaim what is revealed to us by God. This is what Jesus built his church on. I've told you before, don't just take my word for it. Study the word. Pray. Seek the Spirit. Don't just take Brother Charlie's word on it. Don't just take Brother Wayne's word on it. He's not here right now, but I'll point over in case he was. Because if one of us gets off on anything that we're teaching, if we have an agenda, the arrow will fly crooked. It won't hit its mark. And that is not the foundation that Christ wants us to build on. We have to build on the truth so don't just take my word for it I'll sit down and talk to you about anything we'll pull the Bible out because that's how we're going to do business I try my best to do it hey I'm the first one to tell you I don't always get it always done right but I will say I'm sorry I will apologize if you'll let me if 
need be. If not need be, I'll say, well, you need to kind of get it because this doesn't change. But we can grow. Amen? We can grow. But it has to be God's way. Otherwise, we're on some kind of skewered religion and we call it Christianity. Why? Because we can quote a thousand Bible verses. It's got to be inside of our hearts. It has to be what moves us. It has to be the pathway that we follow. Amen? We have to follow what God tells us, what, what he gives us. Speakers, I've seen people at the campground speak and speak words of ministry over somebody. And they may be right. This is the point I'm trying to make. Some of those people aren't even in the church now. They're living whatever way, doing whatever. Maybe that is what God had for them, but the point is, that person received that real revealed word, but the person they were speaking it to didn't. So I can preach this morning, and if, this word, if the Spirit doesn't put it in our heart, what's going to happen? We're going to go another way. And then the devil will get on his horse like the cowboy with a lariat, and he's going to chase you down. And that's what he's trying to do. Don't forget, I told you a few weeks ago, he hates you equally. He don't hate Sweetie more than he hates Danny, or Danny more than he hates Sweetie. He hates you guys equally. Y'all ain't even kin. You're brothers and sisters in Christ, but don't forget, he hates you. He hates Francis. He does. He hates you, Waylene. Don't forget that. The devil hates you. You gave me glasses to read this morning. Now he really hates you. Don't forget, he hates you. And what he's trying to do is to destroy us. He's trying to destroy the relationship that we have with God. That's what the devil is out to do. Don't ever forget that. Every day, every trial that comes, every persecution that comes, understand who's behind it. The devil wants you down. He wants you down and out for the count. God says, I'm going to allow it because I'm going to minister them through it. There's something sitting in your heart. He says, I got to get it revealed. Now we can get it out. That's why he allows things to come our way. And he might use us to do that, one another. He lets it happen, doesn't he? The devil has a different plan. He wants you mad at her, never ever speaking again. What are you going to do in heaven? I got a theory. You might want to hear it. Somebody ain't going. Somebody ain't going to make it. Because he told us all about what to do. Freely you receive, freely you give. What did you freely receive? Redemption, forgiveness. Freely you give. You can't do that. You may not be going. I'm not the judge. I don't get to play that part. Think about it. What are you going to do? And that's exactly what the devil has to do. That's why we have to have this solid foundation. See, when you know that God has put you in a position or a relationship or in a church, the enemy will have a much more difficult time getting you out of it because you're founded on the revealed Word of God and will work through conflicts even when it looks impossible. Matthew 16, 19. Now this is just then, so don't hold me to this. Some things seem impossible, 
to men, but with God all things are possible. There ain't nothing we face that's impossible. We have to build on the solid rock. The revealed word of God is the solid rock on which we build our lives. I've had a lot of people talk to me over the years in the last few years and talking about moving around. They just move around from church to church. Finding a place to be always upset about something, always mad about something. Uh, it never ends. And it just grieves my heart whenever I see that kind of thing happen. Because I already know that's not the Holy Spirit doing the leading on that one. Boy, we should too. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Lord doesn't work that way. They'll always tell you how bad things were or how bad somebody was mistreated. And they feel justified in their decisions for moving on or maybe talking someone else into moving on or advice that we give. We have to be careful. But their reasoning is only another layer of deception that keeps them from seeing the offense that happened and their own character flaws. Everybody just right now, just for a second, I want you to repeat after me. You won't hear this much because we're supposed to be humble, but this, say it after me, it's about me. You facing something in your life, I don't care who did it or what brought it. It's about me. God's showing me something. It ain't about them. It's about me. And God's trying to show us something. But we'll just lay on all kinds of layers to defend our way of thinking so that we don't have to do the Word of God. Dangerous place to live. Dangerous place to live. Man, I've got to move on. Jesus asked His disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you're the son of the living God. And he said, you know what? I'm going to change your name. Your name's not Simon anymore. It's now Peter. You see, Simon means to hear. Petros is the word used for Peter. It means a stone. And as a result of hearing the word of God, the revealed word of God into his heart, he became a stone. A house built of stones on the solid foundation of a rock will endure the storms that beat against it. The word rock in this verse, it, it, talks, about, uh, it talks about the word petra, which means a very large rock. And what that means is that we come from something else. It's Jesus that we come from. Second, uh, 1 Peter 2 and 5, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. You see, everything we do is through Christ. You see, a small stone comes from the bigger rock, and the stability comes from the bigger rock. That's what we build our foundation on. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, No other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There's no other foundation that we should be building on except Jesus. He is the only foundation. Because if you're not on Him, when the storms come, the house will fall. When He was ministering and talking to the people in, in John chapter 6 and 15, yeah, He's with His ministry team and he's, he's ministering with these people and they're ready to put Him into leadership. They said, this is our time. And Jesus refused and just walked away. Now, can you imagine his followers looking and saying, man, what is he doing? This is now our time. Here's our opportunity. 
You know, we left him. I mean, we left everything that we have to follow him. We've given up this. We've given up that. Now we're following Jesus, and now what is he doing? Not only that, he's doing it in front of the religious leaders. The trouble was coming, folks. The storm was starting to get worked up, and these people are starting to wonder, what's he doing? They knew what John the Baptist had said. They knew what Peter had said, that he was the son of the living God. They knew these things, but they couldn't understand why he wouldn't move in to be the leader that they knew that he was supposed to be. They thought he was digging his own grave. You know what he was. The ultimate thing then happened. Jesus preached something to them that sounded like flat-out heresy. Go to John chapter 6, verse 53. We'll read a couple verses there. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless that you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Can you imagine his disciples going, Man, what's he preaching now? Some of them said, This is just way too much. I I can't do this. Do we know people like that? I just can't do this Jesus thing. I can't do this church thing. We know people like that, right? Because he gave a piece of truth. Not only that, but he also said these things in front of the leaders of the synagogue in Capernaum. And for some of his disciples, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Look at what Jesus said in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, you see that? Does this offend you? These are his own disciples. He doesn't retract the truth, but instead confronts them. We don't like confrontation, do we? We use words like bully pulpits. The Apostle Paul wrote letters to people in other towns. Why? Because they had issues, so he addressed the problems. Somehow or another, in America today, we preach that, okay, if there's a problem going on in the church, don't talk about it. Not from the pulpit. It's okay as long as it's the Word. Amen? Can I get a witness on that? That's where freedom lies, folks. That's exactly how Jesus did business. He talked right straight to them. He confronted them. You see, he knows some have been living a faulty, on a faulty foundation since they were in Caesarea of Philippi. He exposes that the foundation is, is messed up, and he lets them be able to see what's going on inside their own hearts. You see, a lot of times we get mad at the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or even the brother that brings some truth to us, when all the while it's the Lord saying, I'm revealing something to you. Your foundation is faulty. And therefore, this is how we can grow. But Simon Peter and the ones that stuck with him, they were hungry for the truth. Look in verse 6, 66. John 6, 66. 666. Imagine that. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They couldn't handle the truth that he laid to them. 
Notice it doesn't say a few, it says many. Some of them probably were the guys that were quick to say that, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. But who do you say that I am? They didn't have the foundation to start off with. But it was the revealed word of God that gave it to them. The offense built on the point where they did not uh, did what many do today. They just simply left. They left Jesus. They thought they had been deceived and mistreated, but they were not. They did not see truth because their eyes were focused on their own selfish desires. See, Brother Ron, I told you it's going to be chilly this morning. It might have some onions and peppers in it. Now look what happens when Simon Peter is confronted. With Simon Peter, as Jesus confronts the twelve, in verse 67, then Jesus said to the twelve, check this one out. If a preacher did this today, every organization would kick him out and send him to Walmart to work. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What had been revealed to him, even though the pressure was hard, he still hung on to it. And in this very time, this was a time of tribulation for these guys. This was the time of when the herd was being thinned. It was the ones that were strong with the foundation that says, you're all we got, Jesus. There's no place else I can go to. You're all I've got. See, trials and tests locates a person. In other words, they determine where you are spiritually. I want to share something with you real quick. I want you to let this come in if you didn't get anything else this morning. Trials and tribulations reveal the true condition of your heart. How you react under pressure is how the real you reacts. Tough, isn't it? Oh, but it picks us up. You see, folks, I want you to think about something. I'm almost finished. We look at things with the worldly eyes. Look at this parable of the houses real quick. You see a big five-story mansion sitting somewhere, and it's got some of the best woodwork. It's immaculate. Cost millions of dollars to build. Everybody just loves it. But it's built on sandy ground. You got a little one-story shack over here that don't look like much. Most people don't notice it, and the neighborhood don't even want it there because it kind of takes away the value of their property. But it's built on the foundation. It's built on the rock. Now, that big, nice house, it might withstand a few storms. But eventually there's a storm going to come and that big fine house is going to be nothing but rubble. That's the test that you and I face in our lives. We may dress fine. 
We made out of 10,000 Bible scriptures. I can't button my coat. <laughs> we may have 10,000 Bible scriptures men memorized, but if they never made it to here, a trial will come. And that good-looking, nice-looking, oh, he's a Christian of Christians, one day you read about him or you talk to him, and they ain't no more. Why? Because the storm tore them down. But the little house, it's still standing. It's still standing. I want you to get that into your spirits this morning. We have to do what the book says. Let's be sure that we build our houses on God's revealed word. Not what others say. I want to emphasize that once again. Not what others say. I get leery when I, the first question out of someone's mouth is they'll quote a scripture or bring up a subject and say, now just what do you think about it? I already know, then you're fishing. Remember folks, I used to interrogate people, okay, so I, I know what's going on. This ain't my first rodeo. So just what do you think about it? And I'll guarantee you'll always get a question from me. What do you think about it? That's what Jesus did. Why are you where you're at? Because such and such told you? Or because God revealed it? There is a difference. Let's make sure we build our houses on a firm foundation, the revealed word of God. Not just because what somebody's told you. We just need to keep seeking the Lord. And keep begging him. And keep seeking. And keep learning. And keep letting him grow us. Because if whoever told you whatever was wrong, can I tell you something? They're going to stand before God someday and they're going to have it out with God. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can drop their name all you want, but you will have it out with God too because you didn't take the time to seek Him. You took somebody's word for it. And that's where offenses come. Nothing troubles me more than listening to speakers, preachers, teachers pit people against one another. You see that happening? I'm going to tell you now, flee from them. Never listen to what they got to say because they have their own agenda. And their agenda is not about heaven. And maybe they're trying to build a business. Maybe they're trying to build big bank accounts. Or who knows? Amen? I know this is tight this morning. We're coming up on Christmas. We are going to give this a break. But I'm telling you now, let these words get into your spirits. It'll help us with a whole lot of stuff we're carrying around. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning, please. I want us to be like Peter. And like Peter, we're going to learn some more about Peter probably next week because Peter, he didn't have it all together. But on this particular subject, on this particular message, we found out that Peter had something that kept him from totally falling away. Remember when Jesus was crucified? Man, he was just broken. Had it not been for this revealed word, you are the son of the living God. You're Jesus. That's what will make people
I want to ask you this morning as they play us some soft music. Is there something you need to pray about today? If you need salvation today, oh, I pray that I pray that you come and seek Him. If there's something sitting in your heart that hasn't been taken care of, I pray that you come and you take it up with Him and let Him lead you to the place that you don't walk out of here carrying the same baggage you walked in with. He's been giving us stuff that we need to have. Amen? He is the Son of the living God. All things and all power is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. Nothing that we face is too big for Jesus. Amen? Nothing we face, He hasn't given us the way of escape. Amen? And the devil don't want us to see that. Come and pray this morning if you need to. I want to invite you because I want to see us do this warrior thing. You see, we're not building a, a club here. We're building warriors. Warriors for Jesus. And we're going to go after souls. And we're going to help each other along as we go through this war. That's what we're doing. And if we don't deal with things like this, if we're not able to see the truth because of our own selfish desires, it's not good. I plead with you, come and pray this morning. And I want to ask as you come and pray, if someone has not got something you want to pray for, I would love for someone to come and stand in for Sister Carol. We don't know what's going on in her life, but she's on vacation this week, and on vacation she has no idea what's going on. It's got to be miserable to try to enjoy it. And we want to pray that God will bring healing to her body. But I pray that for this week, he can put peace in her. The Bible says that he gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. We don't get it. We don't understand it. I pray that this week she has peace. I pray that Jeff has peace. I pray that their family can have peace. He can see you through anything, and there's nothing, nothing that she's facing or you're facing. God don't already know about it. Knew it was coming the day you were born. Knew what day it was going to come. Come and pray this morning. Come and pray.